Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay, we're studying the book of James. We finished chapter 3 last week, and uh, so tonight we will be taking up with chapter 4 of the book of James. Chapter 4 of the book of James. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and, and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Let me ask you a question to start with. Is your aim in life to submit to the will of God or is it to gratify your own desires? That's the question that comes to mind when I read this scripture. And I think that it does us good to search our own hearts. Uh, at first glance, you might raise your hand and say, well, of course I want to uh, fulfill the will of God. That's my, that's my desire. Well, that sounds very spiritual. But I think that sometimes we need to read something like this and then we need to pray about it and we need to really ask God to reveal to us if that is what's really taking place in our lives. This word lust in verse 2 means to set the heart upon, long for, covet, desire, strong desire. What is the thing that you've set your heart on? Jesus said uh, that out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. Whatever you have set your heart on, this is what we're talking about. And it says here, war comes from man's desire to satisfy the evil desire, a selfish desire for pleasure. If we ever lived in a day when people desire pleasure, this is it. 
Do you know there's a, a billion dollar industry going on in the United States just in providing entertainment, pleasure? You got skiing, you got ski resorts, you got uh, football, you got basketball, you got baseball, and you got uh, uh, golf, and, and on and on and on and on, uh, boating and hunting and fishing. And uh, it seems like there is a lot of money that's spent on pleasure. We probably have it easier than most nations on earth when it comes to our comfort. I remember when I was in Japan, they lived in one little room, and they had a hibachi pot in the middle of the room, and if they were lucky, they had a sink over in one corner with a pump. And it was straw mat all over the floor, and the floor served as a place to walk during the day and a bed at night. Uh, but we spend countless millions on making sure that we're comfortable. We've got to have the biggest and the best. Philo said, Is it not because of this passion that re uh, relations are broken and this natural goodwill changed into uh, desperate enmity that great and populous countries are de uh, desolated by domestic uh, dissensions and the land and sea filled with every new disaster by naval battles and land campaigns for the war uh, for the wars famous in tragedy have all uh, flowed from one source desire either for money or glory or pleasure over these things, the human race goes mad. Money, glory, or pleasure. Men do all kinds of things just to get another dollar. They'll cheat you, they'll rob you, they'll kill you. The love of money is the root of all evil. Is that, is that the way it goes? The love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is not evil. But at the very basis of evil is this desire, this uncontrolled desire. Now, that's what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about uncontrolled desires. You can lust for all kinds of things. And if you let your desires go rampant, they will get you into trouble. 
But we live in a society that says whatever feels good, do it. And so we're teaching our children, if you desire it, take it. Do it to somebody else before they do it to you. We're teaching them that whatever you want, get it. Doesn't matter what what it does for someone else or what it does to someone else. I'd like to look at this passage, uh, these first five verses here. It'd give you an outline of four words. Pride, passion, pleasure, and prayer. And we'll start by looking at pride. I believe that it, uh, it talks about, uh, as I was saying, money and, and glory. A lot of things are done just because it makes me look good. You know? Pride makes me look better than someone else. Makes me uh, outstanding in the community or, or outstanding on the job. Or uh, You understand what I mean? This pride of, uh, I got to have a bigger car because the Joneses have got a bigger car. I got to have a better house because the Joneses have a better house. And so we're going to start with this pride. And let's go to Luke. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12. And uh, the story here is very familiar. God is blessing a man. And... Instead of the man using these things for God's glory, in verse 16 he he says to himself, uh, uh, let's start out, Jesus tells us parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded uh, plentiful. And he thought within himself, see, God's blessed him, he thought within himself, verse 17, what shall I do since I have no room uh, to store my crops? So he said, I, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And there I will store my, all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many uh, goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these, those things be which you have provi- uh, provided? God, God did not give us a blessing to hoard it. When God blesses you, it's so that you can be a blessing. You know, this man, uh, he stored up all the stuff, probably more than he would ever use. 
And why was he hoarding it? Why was... Pleasure. Pleasure, right? Says, soul, take it easy. He just wanted to kick back his feet. He wanted to rest. He wanted to take it easy. He wanted to uh, uh, be in a position where he didn't have to work. Well, what's wrong with retirement? Nothing wrong with retirement. But this man, it seems that he already had barn full. Now he's got to have bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. There's no limit to it, I don't think. Uh, you know, the millionaire, he's got to have another million. Or the billionaire's got to have another billion. There's just no end to it. What's this guy's name here that's got, got his own airline and everything now? And Trump. He, he, he's just out to get more and more and more and more. And Think of the countless millions of people that could be fed with some of this money. People in the world starving to death. And one guy's got more than he'll ever use in, in ten lifetimes. You see, we got the wrong idea on life. What we have is not ours, and I think I went over this uh, in James here before. What, uh, I asked someone what they had in their purse. Asked Sherry what she had in her purse. You remember? My money is, that, that's a wrong thing to say. It's not mine. It's God's. Everything I have belongs to God. And if God wants to use it, it should be at his disposal. Given it shall be given unto you. But, you know, people have lost the art of giving. They, they want to receive. What's in it for me? I wouldn't go to... Uh, I wouldn't go to a baseball game and expect to get in for free. I'd expect... I've got to pay something. I wouldn't go to... Uh, To the theater where I could uh, could watch a big play up on a on a stage, and expect I'd get in for nothing. And yet we get people coming into church that week after week they're going to put in that plate just exactly what they can get away with. If the Bible says ten percent, that's all they're getting. They're not getting one dime more. See, it's attitude. Attitude's what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about desires, wrong desires. Uh, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all my desires are straight. God's still working on me too. But what I'm saying is here, our wrong desire for pleasure is what he's dealing with here. That's the thing that... <clears throat> if I make you uncomfortable, you're going to get mad at me, right? 
Hey, we're all a little bit that way. Don't disturb me. As long as everything goes my way, fine. Let me ask you. When you was uh, growing up, what was the thing that you automatically thought of it with your brothers and sisters about? Your what? Your toys, absolutely. Why? Because you could play with them all at the same time or because you always wanted the one he wanted? Isn't that right? And it's the same way in the world today. It always looks greener on the other side of the fence. I not only got, you know, I'll keep mine, but I want yours too. Okay? And that's that's the kind of attitude that James is dealing with, and it's the kind that Jesus was dealing here with with this man. Let me ask you a question. Why do men keep uh, wanting more and more things? You came into the world naked, and you're going to leave naked. Uh, why, Why all this labor for more and more things? Anyone? Yeah. Greed. Huh? Selfishness. Well, selfishness, greed. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, the, the media makes you think you've got to have it to be happy. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a little bit of pride of ownership there. You know, it makes me feel good that I, I got a little bit more than, you see? My car's a little shinier. doesn't have a hole. You know, the rust hasn't got to it yet. Yes, yes. And God is dealing with that kind of an attitude. This feeling superior, uh, superior over someone because you got more things than they got. Don't you think countries get that way? I can remember a time when I was so proud of the United States. I, I can remember saying, I don't think any country on earth can, can, can beat the United States or, or, or we don't have to worry about ever being taken over by communism. I, I, I said that once. But I want to tell you something. This country is no different than any other country. And pride always comes before a haughty spirit. Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Is that right? A man who is self-centered can't be God-centered. I mean, if, you got, if you're really being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you can't be controlled by the world's spirit. You've got to make a choice, right? You're either worldly-minded or you're God-minded. You can't be double-minded. Didn't James talk about that earlier? About being double-minded? 
Luke 16, 13 says, no, uh, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and things. We're to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Take a look at Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust uh, destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, here it is, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. You know, some of us get so earthbound that if the rapture was to take place, we'd leave claw marks all the way up. Really? We're earthbound. We've got those tent stakes down so deep that when, when, the, when the death angel comes around, we hang on to this world like, boy, this is it. And we're, we're building everything on today and on, on things. Did you know in a moment of time, the San Francisco earthquake hit and all of a sudden people's whole life savings was gone. House had crumbled, everything destroyed. They went around with a little cart trying to dig some stuff out of the ruins a few days later. That's how quick everything could be destroyed. The only thing that will never be destroyed, the only thing that will ever stand, is Jesus Christ. He's the solid rock. And a man who builds on the sand is building on troubled ground. We've got to build on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to lay up our treasures in heaven, not here on earth. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. For which some have strayed from the faith. In their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Even in, even in Paul's day, some had already forsaken the faith 
to go after the almighty dollar. There's some things that are more important than money. There's some things that are more important than gold. Your health, for instance, is more important. And you only have that by the grace of God. All right. Pride's the thing that we've been talking about here. Now, let's talk about passions. Gratifications of bodily lusts. Desires, it calls it here. Steps of the process are simple. You'd look at something, and all of a sudden the old flesh says, Oh, I've got to have it. Have you ever saw, saw that happen? If you'd waited three more days, you'd have never bought that old junker. Right? But the, the devil just made it look so good. Just had to have it. And we all have desires, but, and these desires are not all bad. But I think what we're, what we're talking about is learning to control our desires. I have a film that I have um, previewed, and Betty's going to be showing at the WM meeting, of Molly, what's her name there? Molly Kelly on chastity. I'd like to have our young people see it, but I'm not going to just show it without parents' consent. I'm not going to get into that kind of trouble. So if you women want to preview it first, come to the WM meeting, look at it. And, uh, but I think it's something we need to talk about, controlling your desires. In school, they, 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 they don't try to control a desire. Do it! Here, we'll give you the equipment. We'll tell you how. And I think that we need to teach our children, control your desires. There's nothing wrong with a desire, but you've got to learn to control it. You know, after you see things, it kind of dominate, dominates your thoughts. Boy, you just can't think of anything else. You know? And we need, we need to learn to pray for one another, pray these things through. There's nothing wrong with a temptation. It's the yielding to the temptation. I, you can become possessed by it. You can dream about it. Whatever it is the devil's tempting you with, whatever the world's tempting you with, you can dream about it. You can, it, it controls you. After a while, it possesses you. 
And we're not to be possessed by anything. We're living under a law of what? The law of liberty is what we've been talking about in James. We live under liberty. Christ has set us free. Why should we put ourselves back in bondage again? And so we need to rule over our passions. We need to be responsible for our actions. I, I, I just don't believe in this. The devil made me do it. Listen, I believe that we are free moral agents. And the devil can, can tempt you, but he can't make you do anything. You're led away, James says, first of all, by your own lust, your own desire. Uncontrolled desires, desires that you shouldn't have to begin with. Now, there's certain desires that are put into our bodies. God put them there for a purpose. Why do you think he put the sex drive in, in you? So that you would be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and, and you, you'd have children. If you didn't have that sex drive, you'd never, never multiply, right? That's a natural function. It's only the, when that good thing that God placed in you gets out of control. You have a desire that's running rampant. And then the devil just takes advantage of it. It, it could be anything else. It could be... God put the desire to eat. Right? Why? So you, so you won't starve to death. But we can, we can let it run rampant. How about this guy down, down in uh, New York City there that was so big that he couldn't get through the door? He got stuck in the doorway and had to call the fire department to come get him out? You read about that one, didn't you? I'd say that was an uncontrolled desire. I mean, he ate chickens by the basketful, not by... <clears throat> you get the idea anyway. We need to learn to control our desires. Matthew twelve thirty-five says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil things. So what you got down in your heart is what you're going to bring out. If you've got evil desires down in your heart because you have given way, you've allowed your fleshly desires, pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, uh, the lust of the flesh. What's the other one? Right there in front of us, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, he said all that's in the world. <clears throat> was the lust of the eyes. The Read it for me. Mm, okay. But it's the lust of the eyes, the... For all 
Pray to the... Yeah. It's of this world. And, uh, hey, you know, there's one thing that we don't talk too much about, and that's worldliness. What is worldliness, Pat? In your definition, what's worldliness? Okay. Anyone else want to try a definition of world? Just living for this world. All right, if I told you uh, that on uh, your application for membership, there's a th thing that, that uh, says that uh, you have uh, forsaken worldliness. What, what do I mean by you forsaken worldliness? Okay, doing what the world does. The world's in love with the world. Worldly people love the world, right? Evil people love, love evil things. But you're godly. And I think that we should forsake the world. Hey, I'm not of this world. Therefore, I shouldn't be worldly. And all there is in this world is the lust of the flesh, the, uh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if, I've, and if I'm worldly-minded, it gets down into my heart. First thing you know, the only thing I'm going after is the world. Right? Matthew 15, 19 says, Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murder, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemy, comes right out of your own heart. Comes right out of your own heart. Because you've allowed the world to creep into your heart. All right. Let's talk about pleasure. Barclay says, the craving for pleasure drives men to shameful deeds. It drives them to envy and to enmity and even to murder. This going after pleasure is really something. Over in Hebrews eleven twenty four. we find that uh, Moses was tempted with that, going after pleasure. And it says, By faith Moses, when he be, uh, became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pl uh, passing pleasure of sin. Sin has pleasure. How many of you know it's fun to go out and dance? It's fun to go out and dance. I used to dance. It's fun. But I also got my nose split right down the middle. I just was in the wrong place at the right time. 
It's a passing pleasure. There's a lot of things that we, we consider pleasure that, uh, and especially uh, these sinful things, that they're, they're so temporary that being a Christian is much more fun to me. Just being right with Christ is so much more fun. Amen? There was a little guy Friday night. Had, had this group up here was, was singing. For you adults that missed it, you, you missed a good one. He was, uh, he was uh, him and his wife up here singing. And uh, this little guy walked out the door, and I went out, and I said, what's the matter? He says, it's boring just to listen to people sing. That is, 99% of the young people today will come around, it's boring. I don't want to go to church, it's boring. I don't want to do this, it's boring. I don't, want, I don't want to do that, it's boring. Man, if I had to go through life as bored as they are, I'd, I guess I'd dope up too, you know? Well, sin, sin has pleasure to it, but there's always a price to be paid. The wages of sin is? <laughs> and there's a payday coming. There's a payday coming. And if we are going to be right before God as a church, then we have to get rid of some of these worldly attitudes. Someone said, I look for the world... I say, I look, yeah, I look for the world and I found it in the church. And I looked for the church and it wasn't in the world. Or most of it's in the world or something like that. But I really believe that a lot of worldly attitudes have crept into our churches. Worldly attitudes. Uh, I think that we need to deal with them. Number one, in my day, I figured it was holy enough, even though I wasn't a Christian at the time, that when I went to church, I dressed for church. And I see people coming into church that aren't dressed for a bullfight. I think it's time that we dressed for church. I don't mean you got to wear a suit and tie, but I don't think you ought to come in Levi's. I don't think that girls ought to come in shorts. 
In fact, I'm not too sure that I like it with leotards undershorts. It still looks like shorts to me. Uh, let's get another worldly one. I feel that God's house ought to be treated with respect. It's his. I gave it to him. This is God's house. Doesn't this belong to God? Then I shouldn't be just throwing papers and garbage all over. Ask our head usher how, how he likes fishing it out from under the pew or, or ask a, a Cheryl who cleans up here every week how, how, how messy it gets. Hey, that's what they do down in school. You go through the halls, man, and they, they've got papers. They, they get done with it. They just drop it right where it's at. You know, wherever it lands, that's where it lands. Janitor pick it up. Bus driver will sweep the bus. They want to walk on the seats. It doesn't matter. Leave big footprints across the pews. Who cares? I care. And I think that, that uh, this area up in here, just because that's where the word is ministered, I think that it shouldn't be a lounging place. Uh, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I, I, just, I just don't like to see all people lounging around up there or walking across it. Shortcut. There's probably a lot of other ones that I could bring out. But I think that I, I'll just leave it up to you. Let's get the world back where it belongs and let's check our attitudes. I think that's what Paul was or what James was talking about here. He was talking about attitudes. Uh, you got John open there, don't you? First John? First John 2.15? What's it say? If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Check your attitude. Am I paying more attention to the world than I am to God? Check your attitude. And then I want to end with, I said the last thing I wanted to say was prayer. Uh, the type of person... I was just uh, I just got done describing here uh, in in James. He's a kind he has not because he asks not, and because he asks amiss. Isn't that what it says? You know why he doesn't ask? After what we've talked about, guess why why he doesn't ask? Huh? He's what? 
He's too proud. He's too proud. I'll get it for myself. I don't need God. Pride. Or, if he does ask for something from God, it's to, to uh, for, for his own selfish desires. So, if you've got this wrong desire in your life, it, it's going to show up in your prayer life. 